tap, tap in. You're listening to Pulse Radio with Randall and Shelby, the heart of the culture. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and host of Pulse Radio in the building for a special edition of the Pulse Radio podcast on today because we're talking football. <laughs> we're talking football, and I can't believe I'm talking football. I I, 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 did, I just started liking football. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I, I really just stopped, started liking football. I'm a basketball guy. But you go where the content is at this point. But we have somebody special here. I'm not going to do this alone because y'all don't want me to talk about football alone because I'm going to say all the wrong stuff, all right? So I have uh, the newest member of our team, Ariel Kilgore, in the building. Ariel, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. And first of all, we're not going to sit here at like you just got into football. Like, come on, man. You, you've you been talking to me about some stuff. You've been hitting for a little bit, just a little bit. Like, with, with football... I never really got into it because like when I was younger, it was always basketball. I used to play like NBA 2K all the time. And that's really how I really found out about basketball and got good with it. But like with football, I just I never was good at it. I always tell the story. I'm, I'm going to tell this story just to start it off so people can know my football background. So yeah, I need to know. I need to know. I, so I was playing. I was actually playing on like a Lily Falcons team. So I think I, I don't know what what side of the ball was on. I think I was on offense or defense. And like they said, down, set, hut. And then I was somewhere near my teammate and I tackled my teammate. He said, no, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. Oh, my God. Yeah, see, yeah, I'm going to just have to take it over for you. you know, this football is not for you, my guy. <laughs> at this point, we're going to get there. But at, at, at this point, I got to get right. But let's go on and get started because we're going to start with something that I'm actually, you know, real world versus that, which is HBCU. So, it was week one for HBCU football. It was lit. We had a lot of great matchups. So really quickly, I want to run down the scores for the HBCU football games on this weekend. So North Carolina A&T debuted in the Big South against Furman. They lost 29 to 18, but they had a second half comeback and Aria went to A&T. So I'm pretty sure she was glad to see that comeback because it wasn't good in the first half. All right. So we had FAMU and Jackson State. We were waiting for that matchup. We've been waiting since they announced it. It was a defensive game. It was real slow, real physical. Jackson State won by 1.7 to 6. Grambling versus Tennessee State. Eddie George's first game at the helm of Tennessee State. Lost to Grambling, the Blue Blood Blood Program, 16 to 10. And then my alma mater, Fort Valley State University, beat Tuskegee for the first time in 10 years. You have to throw that in there. You're, just, you're such a proud alumni right now. <laughs> I had to. Like, they won, and that's the first, like, his, and it's so crazy because people will say, oh, we haven't won in 10 years. And, and that's true as far as the matchup. But at the same time, we don't play them every year. You know, like, we've only played them, I think, maybe four or five times within the span of 10 years. But we did lose the SIAC championship to them in 2017. So it was really good for Fort Valley to play up to their potential. New coach. You know, we got Shamar Bridges that's going in. So it was just really great to see them. But we'll talk more about that in a second. But I want to ask you about this. So you had all these different games. You had your alma mater that played in the Big South. 
So how are you feeling about these opening games? I mean, it was a lot. We had the debut of Shador Sanders, Deion Sanders' son. We have Fort Valley coming back after 10 years. And then you have A&T finally entering into the Big South after, you know, coming from the MEAC, having several championships, and then you go into a totally new conference. And quite frankly, I was a little bit disappointed in A&T, just how they were set up. They kind of reminded me of the preseason that we were doing with NFL. They were really shaky, really rocky with their defense and their offense not being set when they're supposed to be set not blocking the players that they need to block. A&T was everywhere. Of course, we love a comeback team. A&T has always been able to come back in the fourth quarter, but it was a little bit too late. The only good things that we could see was about Fowler. Fowler was very accurate, very consistent when it came to being quarterback. But A&T is going to have to build those offensive players and be able to attack the ball defensively and force turnovers to have those big scores. But obviously, you have a lot to celebrate, and there's also a lot to talk about about these other teams. So go ahead and give me a rundown what you thought on opening day on Saturday? Well, I mean, I thought the whole weekend was slow. I mean, honestly, like the, the game of the weekend, of course, was um, Alabama A&M versus South Carolina State, 42-41. to That was the game of the weekend. Like, that was a great run back because A&M decimated South Carolina State, Bulldogs versus Bulldogs. And Aquil Glass is an NFL prospect, seeing him on the field. Like, I really think he can make it to the next level. So it's always a pleasure seeing him because I, I just really, we've had so many great quarterbacks at HBCUs, but I think that a Quill Glass is that NFL type quarterback because he can pass. Cause you know, a lot of, a lot of black quarterbacks, they're runners, they're athletes. So they'll like, they like to do their Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick, like they can throw, but they rather run the ball. But a Quill Glass is a pure quarterback where he can throw, he goes deep. He's, he, 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 throw, he throws, he throws, he'll get you to the first down. And like, he, it's not all about him. He's real big on leadership. So I just really want to see him succeed at that next level. So it was great to see that game. Of course, Fort Valley Tuskegee, I will say this as a Fort Valley alum, it was great seeing it, but I want to be objective. Like Tuskegee was rusty, you know, like they were rusty. You could tell, you know, they're transitioning with players. I know the team that I saw in 2017, how they played us. It was a tight game in 2017 in the SIAC championship. So I saw a lot of great defense from Tuskegee over the years. 2018, they, they beat us, and it wasn't like a real big scoring affair. But I knew whoever scored first was going to win because Fort Valley and Tuskegee were playing sloppy. Like they were throwing the ball across the field, fumbles, interceptions. So I knew whoever scored the ball first was going to win, and, and it was Fort Valley, and Fort Valley managed to win. I didn't think they would, they would shut Tuskegee out at the Red Tails Classic. Like, that wasn't supposed to happen. This is the Tuskegee Airmen. It's the Red Tails Classic, and Fort Valley comes, comes through and wins. But as an alum, I loved it. Then you had um, Eddie George. Uh, I think that Eddie George, that he just needs to get his boys together. It wasn't necessarily a bad game. You just had your first game jitters. And then Grambling needed a win. They were winless in the spring season. So they needed a win badly, and I think the boys wanted a win. And then Jackson State and FAMU. For all that hype, I was expecting that to be the best football game I've seen in my life. It's on. I was expecting Deion Sanders to blow this out the park. All the snag that was being talked about, all the Twitter beats that was going on, having his having one of his sons transfer and another his his other son, his younger son signing. You would think, first of all, Shiloh did what he had to do. Shiloh did we had to do on defense when it came to Jackson State, holding their the, de- the defensive part of both those teams were holding their line, doing what they're supposed to do. But of course, Shador Sanders, he was disappointed, and Jackson State as a whole, including Deion Sanders, was disappointing. You have a seven to six game, one of the most anticipated games, and it was a one point difference for you winning. That doesn't say a lot to me going into this season. 
It doesn't. But what I'll say about Jackson State is that defense was crazy. That defense, they were going, like you, like you said, you said Shiloh was going crazy, but it wasn't just him. It was just the defense in general that was locking down FAMU. But FAMU had a good defense as well. So I think that when they play these high-powered swag offenses like AM, like Alcorn, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle Anaquil Glass and Ezra Gray. I, I, I want to see how, how they contain these big offenses in the swag because the swag has a lot of offense. I just wanted a better game. I mean, I know I, it was prime time. Deion Sanders, you had celebrities on the sideline. Orange Blossom Classic, fam, you in the building. I wanted fireworks. I wanted fam, you starts cheering. Jackson State starts, starts cheering. It comes down to one last touchdown. Hail Mary, catch the, catch the ball and win. I'm up in, in, in my living room yelling like, yeah. Like, that's what I wanted. I didn't expect it to be like just defense and just all about that. I didn't really expect that. But let me ask you, okay, let me ask you this, though. So with Shador Sanders, so you're the teacher today, all right? So I want you to give Shador Sanders this is his first test of the season. What would you rate his performance? I'm going to have to rate. I don't. I'm not. I don't want to be too harsh, and I don't want to. You know, I don't want people coming for me or whatever. Because I, of course, he's Deion Sanders' son, but we gotta be truthful, like how Deion Sanders was saying in his pre, like his conference after the game. He's going to have to get a B minus for me. He was really shaky in the beginning. Wasn't really as accurate. You had two fumbles, one fumble for a loss. You were looking really bad out there. Uh, he had some good throws, some accurate passes for 30 plus yards. It was cool, but he wasn't the Shador Sanders that I wanted to see. He wasn't the hype that I was expecting. So for you to come out there like that and be in prime time, son, I'm expecting a lot from you, especially you couldn't go anywhere else. He signed you, he got you, and you go out and do a B-minus performance. Couldn't really get the offense going, couldn't really get the drives that he wanted, was mostly holding for six yards. So at the same time, Shador says he he deserves a B-minus for me. And I don't think that's too harsh. I could have gave him a C, but I'm trying. You know, he's kind of new. He's, he's going to get into the flow. He just needs to learn his players and learn how he is offensively and how he can guide and lead his offense to those winning touchdowns, those winning games that they need to see throughout the season. So let me ask you this. So do you think that it was FAMU's defense that had him where he didn't perform to the level that we wanted? Is this uh, is it us holding him to such a high expectation? Or do you think it was the rain? Because it did start raining. Do you think that maybe the weather got to him? What do you think it was? I mean, you, if you're a great player, you can play through any condition. So I wouldn't necessarily say it was the rain because the rain kind of stopped right before halftime. So they were kind of playing the muggy weather, but it didn't rain the whole time. Of course, Fangie's defense was holding them a lot, getting them at the line of scrimmage, of course, forcing those fumbles against Shorter Sanders. But it also comes to the fact that this is his first game. He needs to become comfortable with his players. He needs to be able to trust them. He needs to be able to know what his arm can do and what he can run for because he was running for a couple of plays. And he did do good at having some rushing yards. But it, it comes down to knowing who you are on the field, being comfortable where you are, and just getting the team going at the end of the day. So it was family's defense, but it's also getting to know yourself as a quarterback, what is best for me and what I can do to help improve my team. I think that in the glimpses that we saw of Shador Sanders, because he had one great pass, he threw that ball down the field, and I was like, but he's not going to catch that. He caught out. It. it was like in double coverage, I think. It was like towards, I think, the like end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter. It was, was yeah, like, towards the end of the third quarter. He was, like, he was looking good because he got more comfortable. But then they started losing it towards the fourth quarter because they're scrambling. Oh, we're down seven to six. And Banyu's defense was holding them. They were holding them at that line of scrimmage. And so if you can't find out plays 
or you can't get your running game up because we didn't see a lot from the running game either when it came to Deion Sanders and his team. And so that's some of the times when your running game isn't as impactful. That's what's going to hold you to all those points. That's very true. So we know Shador Sanders. He needs to step it up. They have the Southern Heritage Classic on Saturday versus Eddie George and the Tennessee State University Tigers. So let's transition into this, right? So Shador Sanders wants to be in the NFL, and the NFL is coming back. Hey. I'm so excited, so excited. Preseason was most definitely, um, it was okay. You know, it was okay. Um, it was more the excitement that football is back fully, you know, full crowds packed stadiums, getting to see teams, getting to see all these new 2021 recruits. It's It's been a blast kind of kind of looking in there. I did, you know, a little, little plug, a little shameless plug, did that on my own podcast, The Unaxed Opinion, just looking at all the 2021 debuts from the draft. And some of them won, some of them lost. But, of course, you know, we're going to be talking about the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. They play this Thursday at 820. I just want to know, Randall, what do you what are you thinking about? What is most exciting for you to see coming to this Thursday game? Uh, Tom Brady. I mean, just to see if Father Time's gonna catch him, like because he's he's old. I mean, so it's like, is he finally gonna is the rust gonna wear off Tom Brady? Like, or are they gonna keep him protected? And is he gonna just continue to throw those short passes? You know what I'm saying? Cause he he chips away, you know, it's like like he plays like he's old because it's like slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> play, you know what I'm saying? Like you just you you throw it, you get the yards, and then you get it in there. So I definitely want to see that and see if like that championship defense is gonna hold up. I think that a lot of teams are gonna game plan more for the Buccaneers. I think a lot of folks weren't taking them all that seriously, especially the drama with Bruce Arians to start the year and the media sort of you know made that a circus. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, like, really having, you know, Dak Prescott come back. He's been out for almost a year. And I was actually watching that game, you know, when he got injured. Like, I saw him try to go for that first down. He basically had it. He could should have slid. And then he had got hit. And you saw his leg, like, or whatever part of his leg that was. Yeah, like, and his ankle, that was nasty. Oh, my yes. gosh. Yeah, and, like, that, that was – and I saw Gordon Hayward's injury. I was watching that live. And that was probably the most gruesome thing that I saw because I didn't personally see live when Paul George got injured in the Olympics. I didn't see that live. But seeing like Gordon Hayward, that messed my mind up. So automatically when I saw that Prescott, which I don't think that his injury was as severe as Gordon Hayward's, I was like, oh my God. It sort of gave me a flashback because I literally grimaced, you know, like when I saw Gordon Hayward. So it sort of gave me a flashback where like whenever I see somebody get hurt, my legs start hurting. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. I start saying, oh man. So, like, that was crazy. But, you know, it's been injury news about Dak Prescott, about his shoulder. He got injured with his shoulder. And also, you have, you know, one of, I believe, like, in the offensive line, like, he's on COVID protocol, but he's vaccinated. And if he's hitting, and, you know, you had Jerry Jones on first take with Stephen A. Smith. He said that if he tests negative, he's going to play on Thursday. So, I, I'm interested to just see how it goes. Because these are the two most hated teams. People hate Tom Brady, but people hate the Cowboys. Who do people hate more? That's the question. You know, and it's kind of crazy, you know, talking about COVID. And then you see the release of Tom Brady coming out. He was like, yeah, I caught COVID after the celebration. So then it's sitting here like, does the NFL really like, I feel like the NFL has favorites because you had all these protocols. And then you got this championship man coming out. It's like, yeah, I had COVID, but I'm going to work through it. So, you know, going back to your father time thing too, is father time and COVID going to come in and kick his butt when he starts playing and going back to those regular exercises in the NFL. And, of course, with Dak Prescott, everybody wants to see him come back. Everybody wants to see him do what the Cowboys should have done last season. They looked terrible last season. Most of their problems came from fumbles, 
losing yards on the field, especially their tackles. They didn't have enough tackles enough for their defense to be excelling against any other team. So it's I'm interested in seeing what Dak Prescott can do with his other people, C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, seeing them get back on the field. But I'm more excited to see an old coach who um, I have a love-hate relationship with. Dan Quinn is their new defensive coordinator for them. And, of course, we all know Dan Quinn was allegedly fired. Um, you know, some people say he quit. Some people said he was fired. But allegedly fired from the Atlanta Falcons after improving their defense by 30%. So now you go to the Cowboys, who weren't defensive heavy, who were the ter- who were terrible, probably out of the top 20, when ranked by API in defenses this year. And you're going to see them improve. You're going to see them charge the offense. You're going to see them block every man. You're going to see them try to do everything to keep from Tom Brady getting in the end zone. Because once Tom Brady gets in the red zone, there's no stopping him. He has those weapons from the running game to the passing game, probably running it himself. You never know. Tom Brady brings out tricks every year that we don't think is possible, like I said, because he's old. And then you sit here and this man goes from the Patriots to a Buccaneers winning a championship within the year. Like, who does that? Tom Brady. LeBron James. Uh, <laughs> that's who does it. Uh, and Tom Brady, like, he's going to run in slow motion. You know, I, I have I have no ill will towards Tom Brady. It's just it's funny how people really don't like him. I read a book about the Patriots, um, the dynasty, and it was very enlightening. Um, and just seeing just Tom Brady's work ethic and how they really put so much into making that dynasty. I thought it was really interesting. I don't have the venom towards Tom Brady that others do. I appreciate greatness. Um, and then me not being like a diehard football fan, like I don't have that, oh my gosh, I don't like him. Like like with, with basketball, it's like I root against the Nets. You know what I'm saying? Because they had that super team. But it's like with Tom Brady, it's just like, I mean, oh, he, he scored a touchdown. Okay, he's old. Okay. No, I have the hatred, you know, because of my love of football. So the hatred for the Buccaneers, especially the hatred for the Saints. You know, seeing I like you said, I'm not going to hate on greatness. I can't hate on greatness. I can't hate on LeBron James. I can't hate on Tom Brady. I can't hate on all the greats before him. It's just I hate seeing you win and my team is over here struggling. That's what bothers me. Like, can you sprinkle a little bit some of that pizzazz, whatever you got, whatever magic over to the Atlanta Falcons so they can at least have somewhat of a winning season or eventually go to the Super Bowl because it really upsets my heart. <laughs> we have, we've been there, but we lost twice. And I don't want to go back to that 1998 game because that was terrible. I don't think it was worse than when we played the Patriots, but it was a terrible game. Well, let me ask you this. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw an audible. Okay. So the Falcons are playing the Eagles, you know, they're playing, they're playing the Eagles on Sunday. And then the Eagles actually just signed an Aggie. So, you know, they, the Eagles got that going on. You know, you're North Carolina. Congratulations Big congratulations. And so I saw that when the news came through, I said, not another Aggie in the NFL. I said, this is amazing. This is exciting. But, you know, of course, like I said, I would love to see my Falcons win. Um, I'm kind of up in the air with that. Um, while talking earlier, just because you have Jalen Hurts, you got him. And that's really that's really it. That's all I see. For Matt Ryan, he's been a veteran. And then you have Kevin Ridley, even though we just lost Julio Jones. Kevin Ridley is next to be the next Julio Jones to carry our offense. And then the Falcons didn't do too bad in their picks in the draft because, of course, you have Hayden Hurst, but we also have Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts can do anything, and it's not for certain that he will play that tight end position. You could put him in the slot or anywhere else you want to stack him. He's going to make those plays for us. So the the offense is looking good. Of course, we didn't see anybody. I think that was smart of Oscar Smith, just like how the Cowboys coach did, not to have all your players play during preseason because you don't want any of these injuries. You don't want Dak Prescott getting hurt again. So to not see any of the starters in there was great. 
but I don't feel like the Falcons are prepared enough or we've probably seen enough for them to win against the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. So for me, I want to see the Falcons succeed because it's, it's Atlanta. And you saw what Haw- the Hawks did, what they had to do, the Braves. My, my, my brother's a baseball fan. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> you know, like the Braves are doing what they need to do, I guess. So I'd want to see the, I want to see the Falcons do great because I think that Georgia deserves that. You know, Georgia deserves like that same acclaim that LA was getting. It is the same acclaim that New York always gets for not winning. Like they, <laughs> they never win, but oh, they they gonna win this year. Like they like they never win. But the Hawks have had great players. The Falcons have had legendary Amazing players. players, and yet none of them can get a ring. I don't. I, that that should probably be an episode. Why Atlanta can't get a ring? What what is going on, Atlanta? What's in the water as to why we give away all our good players or why we can't win a championship? I'll say this and I'll move on. I'm gonna tell you the reason why. Because they got to do right, by, they have to do right by Michael Vick. They got to do right by him. Until so they do right by Michael Vick, I'm gonna use Charlemagne's word. So they atone for how they did Michael Vick. <laughs> not good. It's not gonna happen because it's like how they did that man. All oh, the dog fighting scandal that's yeah. that we just cannot get over. And Michael Vick um, actually repaired his image a bit. He's doing NFL analysis. He was on. He was on Fox Sports for a second. I don't know if he's still on it anymore. He did the documentary. He was very honest with it. He's touring different schools. I actually got a chance to meet him at, at NASAP 2019. He came and spoke to us for a good minute because he had nothing to talk about. He, he was like, listen, I got a dog fighting. But listen, if you, if you bring it to your school, I'll tell you all about it. And I'm like, Michael Vick, why are you here? Like, you know what I'm saying? I was like, hey, man, it's, it's, good, it's good seeing you. Hey, man, I, th- I appreciate it, bro. Like, I was like, why are you here? But, like, I just think that if Michael Vick, if they don't do right by Michael Vick in some way, whether it's an apology whether he, he becomes a coach or something, like a, a QB coach, maybe for the next person after Matt Ryan. Like, I just feel like as if the Falcons are not going to do right because the Falcons are cursed because of that, all right? But... The Falcons are cursed because of everything. Building on top of tombstones, moving the stadium, letting go of really great players like Roddy Wright, not giving Gonzalez the props that he was supposed to get before he leaves. A lot of things that are going on in the media. And speaking of media, we're about to talk about these broadcast games of HBCUs and possibly the terrible quality that they gave us after this is going to be a big year for HBCUs, being on the big screen, being on ESPN, and actually being noticed kind of in a way for the first time that HBCUs are kind of lit. Like, we produce great quality, and they didn't do that for us this Saturday. They didn't, uh, and it's crazy because HBCUs always produce ratings numbers. It's not that three million that you see from those primetime games, but people have to realize that when you see a game on ABC, that is network television. You know what I'm saying? That's, bro- that's a broadcast network. It's not cable. So it's going to be more people that naturally gravitate towards ABC because it's higher on their cable. It's higher on their streaming. If it's set to a default, like for like an ESPN, I know for me with YouTube TV, I have to search for ESPN. I have to search for ESPN too. Sometimes the games don't come up the right way. Sometimes I have to watch the games from the ESPN app. You know, so like the fact that you're able to get 1 million people and social media was going crazy for the MEAC SWAC challenge. It was produced very well. Robert Griffin didn't do bad. I was mad they didn't put Tiffany Green in the booth because she for sure deserved it. But Mark Jones was there. It's so funny when it comes to media. ESPN turns into Greek Life 101. Have you noticed that? Like, they like, oh, the alphas. The AKA. No, it was crazy. Like, when they were showing, like, the commercials, like, oh, Kamala Harris, she's an AKA, or um, Angela Bassett, she's a Delta. First of all, I didn't even know Angela Bassett was a Delta. I was like, what is going on? They do Greek Life. They do AC bands. They come out. You know, you got, ah, 
you got all the Caucasian people coming out there and they're just like, oh, this is great. This is cool. You know, we love HBCUs. And then turn us off, quit back to switching the thing. And I just, I don't know. Why do you think ESPN does that? Like they just go super black. Like they're trying to relate. Well, it's a trend of the year. And, and I know I can say that having HBCU polls and it being, you know, an HBCU centered media outlet, Ever since we had Raphael Warnock in Georgia, that's in the Senate. You have, uh, you, you have Vice President Kamala Harris. You had Kim Gottwin at ABC. You know, you have Rashida Jones at MSNBC. You have, like, Felissa Rashad, Deion Sanders, Eddie George, all at HBCUs. You're seeing so much HBCU prominence within the media, and that's being promoted. I think that number one, 2020 showed we got to support black people. And the first thing you think of is, hey, HBCUs. You know, and normally I'd be like, hey, black churches. But now it's like, hey, HBCUs. So the fact that you can have media around it and you have so many prominent alumni that are popping, that are in the media, it's sort of easy to gravitate towards that. And also it's just the hot thing. And that's one thing I always task myself within this media situation is, okay, I'm getting a lot of money. I'm not even asking for it. I'm getting a lot of opportunities. I'm not even asking for it. People are emailing me, trying trying to get my people on and trying to get us on panels, trying to use our likeness. But that's going to end. I don't think that this is a permanent thing. I think that this is the wave right now. And to be honest with you, when it comes to when this trend is going to end, I'm going to tell you when it's going to end. I think that if the Democrats lose the House and the Senate or the House or the Senate, whichever one, you're going to see more so of like, oh, my gosh, the Democrats, they know what they need to do. And then it's going to be a switch because it's not that love affair with Kamala Harris anymore. Mm. And you got the, the, the conservatives and fighting the Fox News crowd, they're already trying to ding her up a bit. You know, so I think that it is going to end with her. Now, do do I hope that I'm wrong? I hope I'm wrong. I hope I sound ignorant. I hope this is a freezing cold take. But I, I just believe that it's not going to be sustainable, sadly. I mean, just just seeing what they're doing now. And of course, like, you're right. When it came to 2020, when it came to Black Lives Matter, the police shootings that were going on in a pandemic, you wouldn't believe all the racial shootings that would happen that would actually increase in a pandemic. And now they're like, oh, we're going to do the sweat kickoff. Oh, we're going to send Chris Ball to all the HBCUs, develop programs. Auntie has a sports journalism program now, speaking at Central. We're going to record all these games. But it also comes to the fact, how long are these promotions going to last? Like you said, because, of course, we're putting HBCU people. We're putting you, Randall, in a spot. We're putting East Dockery in a spot. We're putting everybody in a spot to be great. But when it comes to actually using students, and using locals, is that the best thing to put us out there? Because I do feel like when they use the locals and when they didn't kind of use high quality, especially people, we kind of got lower quality. Not saying these people are not good, not saying these people aren't professional, but if you just want to use low tier people and not give us the best ability or best thing that you can give us, that I don't believe I really want it. You should be wanting to do more for me as much as we have given for to you. And, you know, we we talked about this before we did the show and I had the time to think about it. And I thought about how the media goes about showcasing, like for example, the preseason games, like the preseason games for football. Those were local affiliates. Those weren't national people. You didn't see Michael Strahan. You didn't see Tony Romo on these games. For example, like with the Falcons, like um, our local Fox affiliate in Macon, we were seeing the Atlanta stations broadcast of the Falcons game. You saw local commentators. So I think that, ESPN is giving these schools the platform to have their, their school showcased. And unless it's a game that's on ESPN, that's on ESPN two, if it's on ESPN plus, it's going to be on whoever's broadcasting it to give that quality. 
Like, I know it made me upset to see that North Carolina A&T, which is like a multi-time Celebration Bowl champion, national champion, one of the best football teams in the world. You can go ahead and say it louder for the people in the back. You can go ahead and run that back again. It's, it's, it's just it's the truth. We have, to, we have to be objective. It's just the truth. And to see that that Furman North Carolina A&T game, their first game in the Big South, and it was it was a great game. And and and, and I could have did this from my iPhone. I could have just been out there and like, hey, they got a touchdown. Like it was it wasn't good quality. And then for me to see, and, and it could have been, I gotta get purpose by saying this. It could have been other factors for AM versus um South Carolina State. It could have been other factors because they could have might have said, Hey, listen, we want this on our YouTube, or we want to keep the rights to this game. Or maybe ESPN didn't think that game would really be lit because of how it was in the spring. But I thought as if Alabama AM versus South Carolina State, people are saying that that might be the celebration ball game. People think that Alabama AM and Quill Glass, they're coming out the swag. And in the MEAC is South Carolina State versus Norfolk State, they're going to be battling for it. So if that's the case and that's a potential celebration bowl battle, I want to see that on ESPN, ESPN Plus or something. But it's more politics that goes behind it. But I would say that it's a twofold thing. You got to make sure your local broadcast, if you're filming it from your school, if your media department is doing it, it is not hard to get a professional microphone. It's not hard to get a professional camera. If you are a school and you have a media department, you should have broadcast grade cameras. It ain't hard. Go to Amazon. I priced them. I can't get them myself. I want to get one. Okay, this, this radio setup was a lot. Hopefully it sounds good for the people. But I mean, you can get this. I mean, because the school's got my money than me and I was able to get it. You know, so I think it all goes to what you're giving to ESPN. Because I noticed that the, the game, it was Allen and Benedict College. Love Allen, love Benedict College. But that, but that D2 matchup had better production than, than a Big South matchup. And it's because it's a different crew. And normally the D2 games are normally broadcasted well. Why is that? Because I, I, I'm the FAMU Southern. That was terribly broadcast. That was an amazing game. And that is a game we were waiting for, just like Jackson State versus FAMU in 2019. And we broke streaming records for it. It was on ESPN three, not even on ESPN. Like that—that's that's a matchup that should that should have been on ESPN. And it was it was so bad quality. The commentary was terrible. I think it goes to the local crew, but also ESPN needs to know what to call up. FAMU versus Southern got to call it up. North Carolina Antiques first game in the Big South. Call that up. I just don't understand it. See now, see now, I have to go back to a point that you said when it comes to wanting stuff for yourself, having those private things, but also wanting to be big at ESPN. And you know you can't have both because we were talking about it yesterday, and a lot of people, including you, when you was going to opinion, why doesn't BET do like these pre-seasons or like pre-cast where you're just like, okay, we're going to explain and we might show the game. But like how I was trying to tell you, like how I was saying to you, is what you want to own and like you said, what you want to get to ESPN because ESPN is just – like, this is new to ESPN. HBCU, oh, my gosh, seeing players come out of HBCUs, not saying that there hasn't been. Of course, you have a lot of players that have come out of HBCUs, but they're not really being recognized until this day and age. But it's what you want to give. What can you pay for? What can I offer? How big are you? And plus, like you said, wanting to have it as my own. If I give all of this to ESPN, then I got to go through ESPN guidelines. I probably have to do this. I have to promote this, do that. And so it becomes to is having your own thing more than having the exposure of ESPN. And also, can I afford that exposure from ESPN? Not saying that I don't want it, but if I can't get it, if I don't have the quality, if I don't have the people, if I don't have the mics, if I don't have the cameras, 
how how big can I really be? And it comes to a point to where how big do these schools want to be? Do I want to be great to where ESPN wants to show me and I ha- I can put up my own stuff? Or do I just want to be built by myself? I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to do this by my own thing and my own broadcast. And that's most of the times what HBCUs have to be done and it's not fair. And I'll say this too, in the regards of a lot of people saying, well, why doesn't BET put their bid in? Like, why doesn't BET show the football games? Someone on Twitter, I'm going to shout them out, that Duval dude, they said one thought. Considering that BET isn't Black-owned by Black people, we can't be surprised they missed the renewed focus HBCUs are having at this time. Very true. But he also said second thought. Maybe BET wanted in, but it was blocked by Disney ESPN. What people have to understand is that Disney, who owns ESPN, they have the rights to the majority of these HBCU games. Aspire TV has, I think, five or six CIAA games that are going to start broadcasting in October, and they have the CIAA championship. You saw ESPN just had a multi-year deal with the SIAC. They already had the SWAC. They already had the MIAC. You're not going to see a lot of HBCU games that are going to be broadcasted outside of ESPN except for on Aspire. And then you have NBC Sports that's going to be defunct at at the end of the year. They're going to have the Bayou Classic. They've had it for 30 years. But but ESPN has most of those rights. So that's why you're not seeing BET or CBS Sports or Fox acquire these games because they can't. Like that, and people have to realize that is that is the reason why you're not seeing a BT presents Southern versus Grambling because they don't have it. Like if 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 I want something and you already bought it, I can't get it until until it's time for me to get it. You know what I'm saying? Like the contract I know for the for the SIAC is going to run out in a few years, so you're going to see those SIAC games primarily on ESPN Plus because that's the play. We want you to get ESPN Plus. Like, what are we going to do ESPN Plus? Just post shows nobody watches up with Stephen A. Smith and a couple 30-30 documentaries? You know what I'm saying? It looks like, hey, like, let's make it where you got to watch it. So we're going to put, you know, these smaller Division One schools on ESPN Plus. We're going to put Fort Valley on ESPN Plus. and going to be on ESPN Plus a couple times because we want you to pay that $6.99 at the very least for the next few months to build that subscriber base, to, to say to our advertising, to our investors, Hey, this is what we're doing. Our streaming numbers are big because they know that on the linear TV side, that's dying. And they're telling you that if you read the articles. They're saying, yeah, we're moving more towards ESPN Plus. We're going to start streaming games on ESPN Plus. So they're using these smaller games such as Fort Valley, yeah, Benedict College, even a North Carolina a They're using that to bolster their ESPN digital services to get us watching on there. So I need people to sort of know that and be intelligent in speaking on that point because it's not that a, a Viacom CBS, which owns BET, doesn't want to. It's more so that they can't because ESPN very adeptly gobbled up those rights. And I to that notion also, but I think they have to hold themselves accountable. ESPN has to hold. Well, you know, speaking of new topics and conversation, you know, some last-minute commentary that we got for you guys. Got to go back into the swag. The swag made a lot of performances, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of plays that we saw what do you what do you think coming out of this season how are they going to look how do you expect the teams in the swag to gain what their goal is what do you think is going to happen by the spring who do you see as champions who do you see going into that playoff run mm, uh, i think that it's sort of premature i want to see a little bit more and here's the reason why because i want to see when the rest comes off uh for the swag uh like alcorn is not going to be that team we saw against north carolina central they're not going to be that. Like they are a perennial powerhouse. 
They still have Felix Harper. They have a lot of their boys from the team that lost North Carolina A&T, and they've always dominated the swag. I think that they have to knock the rust off, or they're going to be fine. I think FAMU's defense is going to be big. I think that A&M is going to continue to prove people wrong. And I think it's going to be off the back of Aquil Glass. And I think that Aquil Glass knows that the spotlight is on him. And that man wants to go to the NFL. Period. He wants to go to the NFL, so he's going to show out no matter what. So I think that you're going to see it's going to be so many great games. I think that this weekend of SWAC football, it being really low-scoring games and it you know, being more so defensive games and a lot of folks being out their sets and a lot of incomplete passes and fumbles and turnovers, I think once you get to week three or week four, which is going to be around the time of homecoming, and you see those really good matchups, like, I think that you're going to really see who's going to pull away. I think I think that it's going to go come down between Jackson State and somebody else. I think maybe a Jackson State Grambling. I, I, it really depends on the on the side. I know for me right now, like the like how they realign the conference is different because they move um um they move um Alcorn to another to the other side. Um, but I really think that Jackson State has something to say. I think A and M has something to prove, and I think Alcorn has to shut people up and have to use how, how people are talking after the Central game. And also how AM has been talking, they have to use that as motivation. So the swag is gonna be must see TV if, if it's on TV. <laughs> it's gonna be must see TV because it's just gonna be it's so many play- I can't even say one. I, I think that I, I would love to see just for me selfishly as the media lover and someone that loves HBCUs, I want to see Deion Sanders get there. Cause I think that you have the, the LeBron to Miami factor. You know how it was when LeBron went to Miami. In, in 2010, and every game was must-see television. I want that for Deion Sanders and, you know, Jackson State. I want Coach Prime to go to the Celebration Bowl on ABC versus, like, South Carolina State or Norfolk, and it's and it's a showdown, you know? And it's, it's 3 million people watching, like, it's Alabama versus Georgia. Like, I want that so badly, but he has to earn that. And I didn't see him earning in the set. I didn't see them earning the seven to six win. I saw glimpses of greatness, but I want to see the dogs he's been talking about. And also on this Thursday night football, I want to see the glimpses of greatness in Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys. Of course, you have all these returning players, and now you got what could potentially want to be a top five offense coming to play for the Buccaneers. But I don't really see the Cowboys taking it this Thursday night just because the bucket it's not like the Cowboys and the Buccaneers are going off this rest. They're coming off teams that are just now being bad. The Buccaneers haven't lost anybody. Their offense and defense is still top and number one. So, of course, I see the Buccaneers winning that game on Thursday night. Do I think it's going to be a close game? Of course not, just because we don't want to injure Dak Prescott again. We just want to see what his arm has to do. And this is his first time being back. But it's up to Mike McCarthy to test his offense as well and to test his defense with Dan Quinn against the Buccaneers. But who do you got? Because I think that would be interesting to see and for you to say now that you're kind of getting into the NFL room? Uh, in the Cowboys versus the Buccaneers, I would love to see a close game because I don't like blowouts in any sport. However, even if it was my team, like, did I like seeing Fort Valley blow out Tuskegee? As an alum, yes, but I would rather it have been a close game that Fort Valley won. You know, and not because, oh, they played, Fort Valley plays so bad and, and, and Ski plays so bad. I wanted to see them both at their best and then it wins. That makes me more proud. That gets me up. I like those high leverage moments. But I would love to see a game like that. But I think that what we're seeing with the college football players, I think that Dak Prescott is going to be rusty. I honestly think that because he didn't get a chance to play in the preseason because of his shoulder. I think that Tom Brady 
is going to just be Tom Brady. I think that the Cowboys don't win against the Buccaneers, but they have a good season. I do think they have a good season. I think they make the playoffs. But I think um, the Buccaneers have a successful championship defense on Thursday. You know, for our last comment, this this broadcasting situation in HBCU games, what do you hope to have improvement on with this? What I want improvement on is I want improvement on the commentary. Um, and I talked about it on HBCU Pulse. I believe that you have to look at the facts of the games because a lot of these games are more than just the history. It's recent history. I would have loved to have seen the commentators in the Fort Valley versus Tuskegee game talk about that 2017 side championship game. And guess what, Ariel? It was on ESPN3. You have the footage. Do, do, do you have the footage? Because I could give it to you. I have the footage. I got the whole game. <laughs> should I have it? I don't know if I should have it. But I, have <laughs> I, can, I can forward it to you. It's a screen recording, but guess what? It was a really good screen recording. So if you need it, I got an ESPN handshake. Just give me some money. I need some money now, but I can give it to you. Because it's like, dude, that was on ESPN. They could have they could have shown after a commercial break the game. It literally was on ESPN. It was, it was from Fort Valley. So it's like, I want to see more recent history. I would like to see a diversity of more HBCU commentators and HBCU personalities, or if not HBCU personalities, at the very least, give us black personalities that can do both and that are going to give HBCUs the coverage that they did, they deserve. I think Mark Jones, who's not an HBCU alum, did a great job. I think that Robert Griffin III, I was like, what? He's commentating? But he, he actually did an excellent job. He did a great job. Yeah, he was really good. So I just, I want that same level of effort. I know you have Stan Verrett, Tyrone Poole, Tiffany Green, Jay Walker. I know that roster of HBCU folks is limited. And then you have like the normal college commentators for other conferences that'll slide in and do an HBCU game. But it just feels different. I want the presentation to be better, but I also want the commentary to be better because that gives us the context behind what's going on in the game. No, I agree. That's very, that's very true. I, I would have wished they would have said something about ANT being in a new conference. I wish they would have said something about Fort Valley State and the Red Tails Classic, how deep it was, because you can show a whole commercial about, Hey, what it's about, about photography of the Red Tails, about how the schools became, but you can go back 10 years later when they did play, and when they did almost win and didn't win. So ESPN needs to do better with that. They need to do better of if you're going to produce HCU games, you need to know the history. You need to know the facts. You need to know what you're going into. Or at least have somebody that is knowledgeable about our culture, about what we do. So that way you're not looking stupid on TV. Because I refuse to accept more of less from what ESPN is giving. There's no point for you to just be on a movement but not have an impact in the movement that we're trying to present, if that makes sense. Listen, if if my if my microphone was wasn't on this expensive and wobbly stand, I would drop it. Okay, and the microphone too expensive for me to drop. So that we dropped the mic right there. So we're gonna end there, uh, man. Ariel, great job for your first show. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Um, you can definitely find me on Instagram at a r i dot e oh dot underscore e l e underscore or on twitter at askriri underscore underscore you can also find me on my own podcast the unaxed opinion where i give my opinion that nobody asks for but i'm gonna give it anyway on sports you can find me on spotify or on anchor i love it i love it and just for us make sure to follow post radio 100 on tiktok on on youtube just post radio on instagram and twitter post radio 100 also follow me at author randall b but outside of that we will see you on the other side and we'll be watching football on Thursday and on the weekend. 
tap, tap, tap in. You're listening to Pulse Radio with Randall and Shelby, the heart of the culture.